The, the readings from Genesis chapter 3. Now the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will certainly not die, the snake said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The snake deceived me and I ate it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Paul. <clears throat> so, following on from our church away day last Saturday at Crowhurst, Home of Healing, can you hear me all right? Where about 20 of us were able to go, we went to hear Steve Gendel, who is the senior chaplain, speak to us on worship. And unbeknown to us, he came with his wife and he came into the village. He came into this church, he went into the information centre, he went to our friends down the road in their church, and he gathered a great insight and understanding, particularly here, how we tick as a body of believers in this village. And he encouraged us to be thankful that God had called each one of us called each one of us. I remember Liz saying to me, people only come to this church if they're called. And Steve said that God has called each one of us and placed us here. Therefore, we should be aware of the impact we are making in the village, even though we may not see it, just by being here. And God was speaking to me a couple of weeks ago because I came to the prayer meeting and, and he laid um, the verse on my heart where 
God comes into the garden and asks, where are you? And that's been travelling in me. So this morning, I would like to share some thoughts that God has been speaking to me on. And particularly on Saturday, I felt he's really saying, get up and say this. We've just sung a song, haven't we, about not hiding from God. Because he can see our nakedness, our shame, our guilt. And the reading in Genesis speaks about that first time when man and woman became ashamed of their nakedness. Not in the full Monty sense particularly, but their inner selves had changed as well as the outer that they were aware of. And God came into the garden, as he must have done, so many times before, to enjoy walking and talking with Adam and Eve. God was thrilled with creation, but the man and the woman must have been the best part of his creation plan. Because he could have a relationship and communicate with them. And this particular evening, God came down to the garden, and it was cool of the day, and his friends weren't there. And he called out to them, Where are you? Then he hears the voice of Adam saying, We heard you, so we hid. Of course, God knew what had happened, and he knew why they were hiding. But he wanted Adam to admit his reason for breaking their appointment that had, they had enjoyed so much each evening. Can you imagine how disappointed God must have felt at that moment? The two people whom he loved so much, who he had created, who he had shared a perfect relationship with, was now destroyed. Eve had eaten the fruit, that sour fruit which gave her the knowledge of good and evil. She had tasted the sour fruit of sin. Then she had encouraged Adam to eat it, and Adam had also tasted the sour fruit of sin. When confronted by God, what did he do? He passed the blame onto Eve. This is not only the downfall of mankind, but it ended the perfect relationship God intended us to enjoy with him. And throughout the ages, men and women have battled with relationships. One with another, with other countries, and with God. They have continually blamed God and everybody else for their pain, misery, suffering, and struggles with life. But God had created us as perfect people. God doesn't make mistakes. We are the ones who have messed up by that sour fruit of sin in our lives. But God in his mercy had delivered a rescue plan. He has longed for his creation of men and women 
to have a restored relationship with him. How did this plan come about? Well, we know that he sent a man, his only son called Jesus, into the world to come and live amongst us. Jesus, who had another kind of fruit to give us, the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus had never tasted the sour fruit of sin until he was put on the cross, where we all know he took not just my sin, not just your sin, but the sin of the world. Terrible, <coughs> but also amazing. He opened up the way back for those who say sorry or repent of their wrong ways so that we can have a relationship with God again through Jesus. And since that time, we as Christians have been in a battle because we have the same sour fruit of sin and the sweet fruit of the Holy Spirit in us. And if we look at Galatians 5, I think John's can kindly get it up for us. We start at verse 13. I'll just read it out to you because this is the struggle that we're now in. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but you do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with one another, so you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And this was written in the first century AD. Not now. It was in their newspaper then and it's in our newspaper now. So, Paul goes, this is Paul that's writing it to the Galatians. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like you um, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's the sour fruit of sin. But when we become Christians, we also have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that goes on in verse 22, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And if you have the message version, I suggest that you read that at home as well because it, brings, it makes it more into our modern language and all the things that are happening which we read about every day. So just remembering that, and then we come back to our away day when Steve spoke about worship and using the whole of our being, our body, our soul, and our spirit. He likened the body as the outer courts, our body being a temple. And with our body, we can worship from our heads, we can use our hands, we can bow with our knees, we can dance, we can clap, we can kneel down, or he even suggested that had we actually lied down before the Lord. And then he said the soul was like the inner courts. Do we worship God with our intellect, our thinking, our will, and emotions? And thirdly, our spirit. And he said this was like the holy of holies. How do we worship God? Steve said we need to get on the wavelength of God's mercy so that our worship can become the highest act of communicating and bringing glory to God. And Psalm 22, verse 3, speaks about God having mercy on their people when they praise him. And he was particularly referring to his favorite people, the Jewish people in Israel at that time, but it's for us too. He wants our praises to surround his throne. And then we will really see God at work. So this brings me to the point that I would like us to consider this morning. And I think God is saying to each one of us, as he said in that garden, where are you? What is making you hide from me? What is your reason that is keeping you from worshipping me in spirit and in truth. I'm now going to do something a little different. I'm going to call it reflection. So I'd like you to have a bit of a fidget and get comfortable. You can stand up, just move around so you can get comfortable and try and focus on God saying to you, where are you? So if you just close your eyes, you don't have to be told what to do by me, but it just helps. To we confess to you now that we are sinners. 
We confess the sin that no one knows about. And we confess our sins that everyone knows about. The sins that burden us. And the sins that do not bother us because we've got so used to them. We have sinned against you, our neighbours and ourselves. Father, forgive us. And Jesus does forgive you and our Heavenly Father forgives you when you say you're sorry. So don't stay in that place. If you said sorry, believe that you are forgiven. So send your Holy Spirit to us to give us power to live by your mercy as you have called us to live here in the village of Hurstman Zoo. Through Jesus Christ, Amen. If you would like further prayer, if you feel God stirred up something that you <coughs> would like some help with, some guidance with, or just confessing it to somebody else, and then they will pray for you. There will be people around at the end of the service. There'll be the oversight, Jim and I. Or it doesn't have to be us. It can be somebody next to you. Just feel free to choose. If you need prayer, don't go leaving, feeling that nakedness, that shame, that guilt. Because God wants us free. He doesn't want us in a state of unworthiness. I've been through that last year feeling unworthy that's why I couldn't speak last year and I had to come through that and I had to get ministry and I feel so free <laughs> I feel so different and it, it takes a lot of courage because you've got to visit that horrid place and then come out of it and I believe that each one of us if we're stuck we can be free and we can really worship God and we're really going to see him at work so if I could call the musicians and sing us back we're going to sing our last song. <laughs>